Wall Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Kozlowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Have you ever had a job that you wanted desperately to be good at? but it just wasn't for you. No matter how hard you worked at something, you just couldn't do it. I was this way with algebra, but Nick Leeson was like this with banking and trading. Today, we look into the story of Nick Leeson, the man who is solely responsible for the collapse of Barings Bank. Find out how it was destroyed on this week's episode of White Collars, Red hands. Yeah, but he's British, Nina, so please, you have to pronounce his name right. It's Nick Layson. Nick Layson. It's Nick Layson. And Baring's Bank. Baring's Bank. Is he Cockney or? I'm, I don't know what You're I'm doing. You're making him Cockney. I don't know what I'm doing. He's he something. Not, he he sounded very standard British from the part of the documentary I watched. That's standard British to me. Okay. Just, I mean, I haven't met a lot of British people, but in my mind... Oh my God! There's I work at Barings Bank. You know, Barings Bank. They all sound like really weird. Michael King. <laughs> <laughs> One time, my friend was like, "Oh, I think that accents are so sexy," and I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, "Yeah, like when a guy has an accent and they're having sex with me, I think it's so hot." And I was like, "What if he had a Cockney accent?" Let's have a little bit of your fish and chips, eh? Now I'm burying me cockiner. Oh my God! <laughs> Pump a fool. All right, that's right, in it. <laughs> you liking that, right? You like that? You like you like it? Oh my! You god. like it? We need to stop. <laughs> I could do this all night. Oh my god, <laughs> man! I sure hope this last three minutes was entertaining. <laughs> all right. Anyways, um, enough of that. Let's talk about Nick Leeson. Um, yeah, Nick Leeson. Nick Leeson. So I'm not going to keep doing that. Nick Leeson was born on February 25th, 1967 in Hertfordshire, England. Not Hertfordshire, which is another town, I'm pretty sure. Why do, they make, why do they make everything hard to fucking say? I don't know. And then, like, it was like Hertfordshire somewhere else in England. And I was like, I'm cutting out the middle one. No one needs to know. Hertfordshire. Wait, Hertfordshire. Shire. Okay. The Shire. This is our language. We can't say it. This is ridiculous. Whatever. It's fine. Old English. It's old English. I'm making that up. I don't know. Um, his parents were working class. His father was a plasterer, which I didn't even know was a profession. Great. And then his mother was a nurse. Um, he didn't do super well in school, but regardless, he was able to get a job as a clerk at the Lombard Street branch of the Couts Private Bank. All yeah, right. so can like all of the people I knew in high school. I'm assuming this is like a chase. Yeah, I think so. it was. And you know what? My cousin only needed a... Um, a high school diploma to work at the bank. Just because you wear a tie doesn't mean you're better than me, person at the bank. Yeah, you're not. Um, in 1987, Leeson moved to Morgan Stanley's Futures and Options, um, which was like a place that traded futures and options. Um, his job was to clear and settle listed derivatives transitions. A derivative because I didn't know what it was, is a contract between two parties that specify conditions under which payments are made between the parties. Mm-hmm. 
we talked about this when we talked about um, derivative swaps, where you could you could swap your interest, you could swap rates on a derivative That's right. with somebody else. That's so. right. Um, so this was going okay, but it did become clear to him that he would never get a front office role at this company. So he ended up joining Baring's Bank two years later and made 12,000 12, pounds a year, which doesn't seem like much. Wow, that would make him fat. Ha <laughs> ha. Good one, Kashan. Thank you. Talking about the English currency. That's <laughs> fine. He said that he was always friendly with his coworkers, even though he didn't like any of them. Great. I was like, good for you. They probably don't like you either, bro. Yeah. He's Seemed like a dick. Well, he also, it was so funny because they were interviewing him in jail and he was like, um, he was like, oh, spoiler alert. He goes to jail. Anyways, he was. I think like, they know that here. <laughs> he was like, if you would have asked any of them, they would have said that I was their best friend, but I didn't like any of them. I'm like, really, bro? Really? Okay. Seems a little narcissistic, yeah. but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But um, his coworker said that he was very ambitious. His ex-wife said that he was also very ambitious. Um, when he got a job at Bearings, they ended up sending him to Hong Kong to troubleshoot Bearings back office in Jakarta, mm-hmm. which is the capital of Indonesia. How did he get this fucking job where they're like, yeah, you're going to be the guy that goes to Indonesia. So he was doing a really good job at Bearings Bank. All right. And he was he was he was doing a really good job. So they're like, okay, you can do it because you're good at your job. He was jerking someone off. Yeah, probably. Convinced. Probably. Um, Baring's Bank was a pretty successful bank at the time. They had been around for over 200 years at that point, And they had originally, for the first about 200 years in, of its existence, was run by the Baring's family. Even the queen, Queen Elizabeth II, She's still alive today. She had an account at Barings Bank. Had an account, huh? Yeah. Ooh. Um, Barings Bank did have a collapse, though, in the 1960s and um, was bailed out. And at that point, it went from the family's ownership into other ownership. So, uh, Leeson, back to Leeson, he was in Hong Kong dealing with all the Indonesia stuff, uh, but he was went back to London in September of 1991 to look into a fraud case between a client and a Barings employee. So apparently the employee had used the client's account to trade on a proprietary basis until margin calls from a clearinghouse exposed him. Oh, so... So this is probably where Nick Leeson was like, huh? I think that he may have gotten a little inspiration. He's like, that sounds like a guy. I know they found this guy out, but I'm smart and I'm everyone's best friend, even though I hate them. So I can pull this off. I can pull it off. Proprietary trading is when a financial firm or bank invests for direct market gain. So it can be stocks, bonds, commodities, etc. It is privately owned and controlled. And then in April of 1992, Barings Bank opened a future and options office in Singapore. Now, Barings had held a seat on the Singapore International Monetary Exchange for a while, but they did not activate it until Leeson was appointed the general manager and was set, sent to head the front and back office operations. These fucking yahoos. Like, how did like? Oh, wait, it gets better. They always just appoint. The dumbest people Wait, to be sick. You haven't even heard the best part. So before going to Singapore, Leeson was denied a broker's license in the UK because he had committed fraud on his application. So I don't know why. Like, first of all, I don't know why anybody lies on a job application ever. But then also they were like, oh, 
well, you didn't get your broker's license here. We'll just send you to Singapore. And when he applied for his license in Singapore, Leeson and Barings Bank were not forthcoming about his denial. So what did he lie about? Uh, that I did not know. Just, I'm sorry. The question said, how big is your knob? And I put 12 inches because I thought, that's what I tell everybody. I didn't know they break out a ruler. So Leeson was primarily trading futures on the, I'm going to say it wrong, the Nikkei. 225 stock average, which is a, the primary index in Tokyo. Okay, so this is like their little stock market thing. So Leeson was supposed to be running a cash neutral business. I learned a lot today. I know. Look at you pulling out. I'm, I just want to say nine, nine episodes aren't always like this. You know, there's not no, always not this usually. technical jargon in a nine episode. Um, no, very rarely. I was like, oh, my God. I don't know what anything means today. This is a this is a breath of fresh accounting air. Mm-hmm. Part of me wondered while I was in, while I was researching this episode, I was like, was this supposed to be a Kashan episode? And then I ended up with it. Mm, I don't know. Damn it. <laughs> um, a cash neutral business is when an investment strategy involving the sale and purchase of securities in a portfolio that results in no net cash. OK, so that makes no sense. Sales and purchases in a cash-neutral strategy effectively cancel each other out. So keeping portfolios cash-neutral means having the capital fully deployed in investments at all times. It's always capitalized in some sort of an asset. It's always it's always invested in an asset, whether that be a security or some form of holding land anything it's always if they get money back from something it's reinvested into something else yes cool so what this means is that if money was lost or made in the trades it would go directly to the clients so bearings banks only compensation would have been on commission and only a small amount were on behalf of the bank all right so what leeson was supposed to be doing was he was supposed to be managing a cash neutral business but what he was actually doing was using the bank's money to make bets on the market to cover his losses oh uh, yeah because none of the money is supposed to come from the bank they're basically dealing with other people's money but they don't get any of the the money back from it either except for commission fees right so from Ooh. from 1992 leeson made a bunch of unauthorized speculative trades that at first made a lot of profit for bearings he made about uh, 10 million pounds which counted for 10 percent of the annual profit oh my god yeah this is okay so they they obviously knew what he was doing at this time though right because you don't just make 10 million like you don't just miss where 10 percent of your income came from as a business this is the this is the thing No, he made that much money at first he didn't lose that much money at first. He was making a bunch of money. No, I know. Oh, okay. But the bank, you don't just miss where ten it's million dollars from. came from when it's ten percent of your your annual so revenue. So there annual was a profit. blind eye turned to a lot of this shit. You see, that's what I'm saying. This is the same thing with Enron with mm-hmm. the um uh the Viking scandal, the one that happened at the beginning, mm-hmm. where they were making money for the company, so they didn't care. Right. Uh, oh, so, absolutely. So, so Skilling sent to them is like, nah, keep making money, even though he knew they were doing it on right. speculative, unauthorized trades, because they don't fucking care as long as you're profitable. Right. This and is bullshit. Well, yeah, and we're going to get into the the bank was pretty unorganized. You'll, we'll come to find out. This is also so they can have plausible deniability if you fuck up, though. Right, exactly. So they can be like, oh, nope, you lost us too much money. You're gone now. Yeah. We never knew. 
So that year, he ended up making a $130,000 pound bonus on his 50,000 pound a year salary. Oh, so yeah, obviously they knew because they were giving him kickbacks on the money he made them, even though he wasn't supposed to be training that way. Um, so he fucked up, though, because he used one of Baring's error accounts. So the, these accounts are made to correct mistakes made when tr- trading. So they had this error account that would cover if any mistakes were made. I think it's funny that they even have that. Like, like if yeah. you have to use your error account a lot of the time, how can I trust a bank? Right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and he used this account to hide his losses. So he claims that the account was made to hide the error of a coworker initially. She had been assigned to buy 20 futures contracts for Fuji Bank, but accidentally sold them instead. Oh, what, which, a, what a day at the office. So which cost bearings 20,000 pounds. <laughs> what an idiot. If I worked at a bank, though, I would do that. Exactly. Just imagine literally being like, hey, um, you, these contracts, just go, go buy. Uh, 15. And she's like, oops, I sold them. What did, what did they say again? What did they say? They said, sell? Yeah, I don't sell. know how you fuck up that bad. Oopsie whoopsie, I made a fucko boingo. I'm like, how do you suck that bad at your job? Put it in the error account. <laughs> like, if I fuck something up that bad at work, it's like, I rang in the wrong beer. Yeah, it's like, I cost the company $8. Not 20,000 pounds in whatever year this was. <laughs> Yeah, in the early 90s. Yeah, so more than that. Yeah. Um, he would use this account to also cover mistakes made by a coworker who would party all the time and just would fuck everything up. Instead of firing them, he was just like, oh, I'll use this account to cover your mistakes. Oh, that was like, I forget where the exact story is from. So I can't give super specifics, but there was a trader also at a bank who had garnered a reputation for doing very well in speculative trades. And he, he made this bank a bunch of money and he drunkenly made a mistake one night. Like, he got super drunk, and he was trading at, like, 2 a.m. Um, and just, like, lost a ridiculous amount of money. And then, being drunk, he started panicking and then spent, like, 12 hours trying to get the money back and got the bank in so much debt that they had to pause trading on the exchange for a few hours because he wrecked it so bad. Oh my god! I forget the exact story. Um, I'll find it sometime and I'll bring it up. But that that is a that's what this kind of reminds me of. This, this reminded is... me of when I was reading this. I was like, yeah, this guy's just an idiot who, when he fucks up, he's just like, ah, fix it, and he just like bets more and more and yeah, more. Yeah, that's literally what he does. That is literally what this man does. <laughs> that's so dumb. Um, he was able to do this for so long because Bearings had given him the ability to double check in his own trades, which means he didn't report his trades to his superior. Great. Yeah. So he was his own boss. Some more plausible deniability there. Yes. Um, so Leeson claims that he crossed into criminal conduct when he forgot to fix a discrepancy of, of 500 contracts. So this cost bearing 1.7 million in U.S. dollars. Um, he decided that the only way for him to fix this was by putting it in the error account. That doesn't fix it. It hides it. Yeah, so he, he, Baring, I mean, I'm not Baring. Leeson reminds me of the dad in My Big Fat Greek Wedding when, like, have you ever seen that movie? No. Okay, well, there's, like, this running joke that the dad puts Windex on everything to fix it. Like, he's like, you have a mosquito bite? Windex. Uh, um, it's like flex tape. Yeah, sure. Sure. Is there, like, flex tape can fix anything? Sure. I mean, come on. He, Phil Swift saws a boat in half. 
and it fixes I don't, I've them. never seen this. What? Sorry. Oh, man. We're just both. I just love how we're both giving each other references that the, okay, other, the person other person doesn't, doesn't know. understand. But they're the same. They're the same. And then there's going to be all these people listening to it who are like, you're both idiots. I know exactly what both of those things are. Oh, well, sorry that I didn't have time to both watch the Flex Tape infomercials and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. You would like- I have limited hours in a day. My Big Fat Greek Wedding is a nice film. You should watch it. Great. I don't watch a lot of movies in general because- Well, me neither. Because if I start a movie, if I finish a movie and it wasn't good, I've wasted two hours of my life and that makes me panic. But you would rather watch television episodes? Yes, because it's it's small and non-committal. I can jump out earlier. Where if I start watching, I only have to watch half an hour, and then I'm like, okay, well, that was bad. I will t- not continue to watch, but I usually won't click off a movie. Huh? Interesting. Well, don't watch Pastor. That was the worst movie I've ever seen. What? Why would you even <laughs> click on a movie called Pastor? Because because it, it was called Pastor. But was was it like? So this is what I'm imagining, and don't tell me if I'm wrong till the end. Right. Uh, it's a dinosaur for sure. It's a dinosaur who uh, get, speaks scripture to all the other dinosaurs before the the mass extinction where God wiped out the dinosaurs. Velocipaster. That is a better storyline than what actually it is. And great. I don't want to hear it. That's what it will it's live in my bad. mind as for forever. It's pretty fucking bad. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's how Leeson was. He was like, let me just put this in the error account and it'll fix everything. Um, he claims he never used the account for his own gain, but I don't believe him. Because in 1996, investigators had found about $35 million in various accounts that were tied to him. <laughs> I never used it for personal gain. I found that $35 million. I, just, I found it. <laughs> um, so by the end of night, this is, this is going to blow your britches off. Give, give it to me. My britches are ready to be blown. <laughs> so by the end of 1992, the error account had losses of over 2 million pounds. Oh, okay. And increased to 23 million pounds in 1993. Okay. And then by 1994, it had 208 million pounds in losses. Okay. What the heck? That's good. That's it's a good. Lot. It's enough slices. If anyone's seen that <laughs> I've seen that TikTok. <laughs> That's enough slices. Oh, man. So Leeson had followed what was called a doubling strategy every time he lost his money, and he would bet double the amount to recoup that him out that's not so i just love how they put strategy on the end like this is it <laughs> like if i say strategy it does it it, it covers up dumb yeah this is this is called a yolo <laughs> yeah literally yolo <laughs> yolo i don't know what else to do we'll Fuck. um so that worked for a little while for example in 1993 he was able to cover a six million pound negative balance in the error account Great. but apparently he had never gotten and apparently after that happened, he was like, I will never use the error account again. But he's a dirty, rotten liar. And he this guy did. seems almost like a gambling addict. It, you know, it kind of seemed that way. And that's the thing. That's where investment, when investment becomes gambling, you've gone too far. Yeah. You know, you have to, it, investing is supposed to be calculated uh, and have risk management to it. If you, there's no risk management, it's there. You know, you are gambling money. Yeah. And the whole thing about gambling is that you lose more often than you win because, other than that, someone would find a way to stop it. Right. 
Right. And he was able to keep his reputation as a great trader and started hiding losses there again. So he started hiding it in the air. Yeah, be, because again. because everyone thinks he can't lose. Right. Because he's not showing the losses. He's just showing the times he wins. Right. And as his losses grew, Leeson would make up stories explaining why he needed more cash from London. But since he had a really good reputation, no one would question it. They'd so, just give him the money. Yeah, I'm going to need about um 120 million quid more. Um... I set my hands on fire. They're like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, great. Yep. I will take it uh, when, whenever I can get back to typing on a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> now, the bank was already not doing well. And in 1992, it had already had 39 million pounds in losses. Yeah. Um, and then a banker named Peter Norris was sent in to try to fix the bank. And he said that he was shocked by the lack of control within the company and found it quite frightening. It's quite frightening. That's actually exactly. Like, it was quite frightening. I went in, I sc- screamed a little bit. It's scary. Not going to lie. It's uh, British people are so sorry if anybody's from the United Kingdom. But 5% of our listeners. Well, listen, 5%, you guys stay way calmer. He was like, I was shocked and I was quite frightened. I'm like, wow, if you talk to an American, they were like, it was shocking, and I was quite frightened. That's because, you know, they don't grow up on the same kind of reality television, so. That's true. They don't think <laughs> everything has to be a big thing, you know. Um, it's like the Great British Bake Off, where just like, you know, some people get sent home, but everyone likes each other. In an American cooking show, they're like, this is fucking shit. This is awful. You're a dirt person and a terrible <laughs> cook. Get off. And then, like, someone sleeps with the other person's sister, and it's a thing. But that's not a thing in the UK. Mm-mm. It's just Mary Berry being adorable. I love Mary Berry. She's so nice. And she kind of has a dump truck for an 80-year-old. You can't say that. <laughs> That's illegal. I'm, I'm almost positive that you can't say things like that about Mary Berry. She's everyone's grandma. I don't want to think about her ass at all. It she come is a nice ass for an old lady. No, don't say it again. Stop Look that, at please. It. I will not... It'd be the last thing I'm looking at. <laughs> I'm be looking at all those soggy bottoms that aren't hers. Ew, I hate it when they say that. It's a bit of a soggy bottom, in it? It's a bit of a soggy bottom. At the point there was an inter... Oh, so at one point... Sorry, I got so off track. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> they did an internal audit of the Barrigs Bank yeah. that he was in charge of. Probably because Peter Norris came over and said, this is quite frightening. He's like, this is quite Internal audit right now. But they didn't test any of the records. And all the records had the secret account on it, the error account. So they didn't test the records and he wasn't caught, which was really fucking stupid. Like, what's the point of having an internal audit? What do you mean they didn't test the records? I don't know. That's what they said. They didn't test the records. They like, came in. So that what Peter Norris thinks happens is that... Um, Leeson distracted them and made a deterrent so that they wouldn't be tested. Like and, did a, he made a Leeson, distraction? Like this yeah, is a heist movie? I, I don't know. And Leeson says that didn't happen. So it's a lot of he said, he said. But it doesn't make sense that they didn't test this shit. But Norris called Leeson a virus and an agent of destruction. That is giving him far too much credit. This <laughs> an guy is an agent <laughs> of destruction. This, I was like, that is so dramatic. He's not a Bond villain. He's an idiot. I know. <laughs> it's so different. Well, Stop giving him so much credit. Well, speaking of idiot, on January 16th, 1995, Leeson placed a short straddle in the Singapore and Tokyo stock exchanges. A short straddle. It's not a sex thing. You're, you're right. It's not. It is an option strategy comprised of selling both a call option and a put 
option within the same strike price and expiration date. So basically, this is used when the trader believes that the asset will not move significantly higher or lower over the lives of the options contract. So they're like, this is not going to go anywhere. Yeah, you, yeah. you use this um, on stocks that have you want to have low volatility. So implied volatility where um, you think it, it, it's very stable. Yes. Because, yeah, if it goes either past the call or strike, either way, you lose money. Yes. But right in the middle, you make money. You can sell it for money. So lease and bet that the Japanese stock market wouldn't move significantly overnight. Okay. <laughs> well, this isn't his. This next part, like, not totally his fault, but, like, maybe you shouldn't have bet that much money. Unfortunately, the Kobe earthquake. So Kobe is a city in Japan. They have delicious beef. No, it's not. A, he plays. He plays on the Lakers. All right. Played. He's dead. Um, the Kobe earthquake hit early in the morning of January 17th, which sent the Asian markets plummeting. <laughs> he fucked up so bad. Yeah, like really bad. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. It's I what was a, like, what is so funny? I shouldn't be laughing at what a disaster this earthquake was. It was really bad. But the fact that it like... <laughs> I'm just imagining him waking up and being like, oh, hey, I hope everything went okay with that with that straddle I made. And then just the like, one of the worst things to possibly happen happened. Happened, yeah. Leeson tried to save his losses by making risky new trades, but uh, it didn't work. And he left a note saying... I'm sorry, and then fled Singapore on February 21st, sorry, February 23rd, 1995. Like, sorry isn't good enough in this situation. Like, that's not, sorry doesn't fix it. Uh, Sorry. He's like, oops. His losses eventually reached 827 million pounds, which is 1.4 billion U.S. dollars, and that was twice of Bering's available trading capital. There was a failed bailout attempt, but on February 26, 1995, Bering's bank was declared insolvent. This has to be... This has to be the worst, the worst trade in history. I can't think of anything that this would be worse. This is the worst trade deal in the history <laughs> of trades the, deal. The worst trades deal in the history of trades deal. That's just JFK. I don't know. That's not Donald Trump. I was going to say, Donald Trump said those words. I know. Like, this is the worst trade deal. I know. I was trying to do Donald Trump, but it came yeah, out JFK. JFK. Yeah. Well, he said he was sorry. You know, that's fair. He did say he was sorry. I hope that that, that in his in his trial, he just presented that. Note. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I, I just love it. He's like, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. I just want to say, um, big oof. Okay. <laughs> My bad. Big yikes. Yikes. <laughs> Am I right? Sheesh. Sheesh. Oh, no is, cap. Oh. Uh, this is decidedly not bussin. No, not bussin. This was an epic fail. Um, <laughs> oh, this is this is going to be in a cringe compilation. I tell you what, <laughs> my blooper is real. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, so Leeson ended up fleeing to Malaysia, then to Thailand, and then finally Germany. And Leeson was arrested in Frankfurt, Germany, and was extradited back to Singapore on November twentieth, nineteen ninety five. So he was. On run for a while from february to november okay well, yeah. you, made, you made it a good 
a good six months, all right? Yeah. Eight months? Yeah, eight. Um, Enjoyed I would, some schnitzel in the meantime? Well, I think he didn't. It wasn't in Germany very long. But he had some pad thai. I was about to say, enjoy. I I was trying to think of a Malaysian food, realized, I don't know a Malaysian food. I don't know one either, so I picked pad thai because that's the only Thai food I know. Pad CU. Yeah. I would love to go to all those places, but without the burden of ruining a bank, you know? Do you think he was stressed out, or do you think he just, like, didn't give a shit? I think he was shitting his pants the whole time. Yeah, that'd be a bummer. You know, Being on the beach in Thailand, the most beautiful beach in the world, and just having all that anxiety, bummer, dude. God, this... This is really ruining how good of a vacation this could be. Thank, oh. thank you, thank you for the coconut drink. Thank you. For the- oh man, if only I hadn't toppled a two hundred years old respected bank, and then I'd finally be able to enjoy all of this later hosen I'm wearing. <laughs> Leeson ended up pleading guilty on two counts of deceiving the bank's auditors and of cheating the Singapore Exchange, including forging documents. Leeson was sentenced to six and a half years in Changi Prison sure. in Singapore. He was released in July of 1999 after serving four years and four months for good behavior and for being diagnosed with colon cancer. And he was supposed to die, but he didn't. So I guess that's, I guess that's good. Nah, man. This is just like fucking John Regus from last week. Mm-hmm. Well, until 2008, Leeson held the record for the most losses due to unrestricted trades. But So I was right. It was, it was it the was, record. It was. <laughs> but then this French guy named Jerome Caravelle lost more than $7 billion in unauthorized trades. Obviously, we're going to have to talk yeah, about that Yeah, we're going to have to put him on our list. Because that is... A lot. Seven times the amount? Yeah. So... Damn, and I dude. don't I don't know anything about that guy. No, me neither. I just for some reason that sorry note is the funniest thing to me. I can't get it I, out of my mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> just I'm sorry. <laughs> just what's such what's such a movie moment. Like I can just imagine them coming in, his chair's still spinning, you know, <laughs> the phone's off the sorry. receiver, just a note that says, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, in 1996, Leeson published an autobiography, Rogue Trader, which detailed his story. And in 1999, it was made into a movie starring Ewan McGregor and Anna Fryle. I don't know who this girl is, but she's famous enough. That they Great. Her. Um, and also, it was made into a television documentary in 1996. So Leeson ended up going back to school and got his BSc, which stands for Bullshit Certificate. Just kidding. Um in psychology at Middlesex University. I don't know about you, about you, Kashan, but I personally prefer either undersex or upper sex, but Middlesex only if I'm in a pinch. So I'm upper sex is just it's position. I guess I was thinking of positions. Well, middle implies that there's a there's both above and below you. So so Middlesex must be referring to DP. No DP. All right. I don't remember if I talked about this, so just cut it out. If the I DP did. story. Which one? What do you mean? Which one? I only have one. Uh, well, I, I don't think. But I, I was heard at work. I was at work, and this lady's like, "I'll have DP," and I was like, "Excuse me," and she's like, "Doctor Pepper," and I was like, "Oh, I only know one thing, and that is not Doctor Pepper." Yeah, it's um Diet Pepsi, right? That's what you're. Yeah, thinking that's of. what I was thinking. That's of. what DP means to me is Diet Pepsi. Yeah, I couldn't believe she wanted Doctor Pepper instead of Diet Pepsi. I love just getting. Filled with DP. <laughs> to the brim. You know? 
just like airtight with DP, you know. And it, it's it's good because it really, you know, um, you feel satisfied. Yeah, you feel more comfortable with your body after after a good DP. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Because it's it's better than regular pee if we're being honest. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, DP is my favorite. You know. Yeah. You know? I mean, I have DP every day. If we're being um, honest. Just want us to go back to Twig Flower Lady Bug Mushroom when she said stories might be interesting if the hosts were adults. Neither funny or entertaining. We're talking about our favorite carbonated beverage. All right? Yeah, Twig Flower Mushroom. By me saying I love having my mouth filled with DP, <laughs> that is, there's nothing juvenile about that. Not at all. Not at all. Um, and also... Uh, Leeson got married for a second time. His wife, first wife and him got divorced, which is a shocker. Um, but he got married to Leona Torme, who is an Irish beautician. He's also a guest on after dinner and keynote speaking circuits. And then he deals in stocks, but only with his own money. Great. And in April of 2005, Leeson was appointed commercial manager of Galway United FC, which is the football soccer team in Galway, Ireland. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then by November of that same year, he was made the general manager. He's the general manager of a football club? And then in 2007, he became the club's chief executive officer. He's the CEO of a football club? But, however, oh, in no. February of 2011, Leeson resigned because the club was having financial problems. That was a roller coaster. All it right. Was, it was. I'm about to say, I've never heard of them, so maybe they're just not very good. I just like a bunch of fat thirty year old <laughs> Irishmen drinking beer and playing soccer, like it's like barely kicking the soccer ball. To wrap this up, Nick Leeson was a man who desperately wanted to prove himself, but ultimately led himself to his own and Bearings Bank's downfall. Bearings Bank had been a trusted source of banking for years. In years, and then although it was already struggling, Leeson was the straw that broke the camel's back. Leeson caused it to plummet into complete destruction, and now Baring's Bank is no more. This is a perfect example of if you suck at your job, quit it. And that's our episode. I, th- I think if you suck at your job, you should be fired. It's or not, that too. It's not my job. Like if I'm sucking and you still employ me, I'm gonna keep getting money from you. All right, honestly. that's fair. Fire me if I'm. All right, if your job. employee sucks at the job, fire them. Yeah, let them know. Like, hey, fucking stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I manage people at work. This is exactly how I do it. <laughs> um, if you liked our show and you want to support us, there's a couple different ways you can do that. First, let's talk about the freeway. Oh yeah. Um, the free way that you can support us um, is by rating us and leaving us a review. Our analytics show that 80% of you are listening right now on iTunes. iTunes. And, I'm going to add them for you, sir. Oh, great. And so if you leave us a review and an honest, uh, if you rate us and leave us a review, we would really appreciate that. We love a five-star review, but if it's not five stars, just tell us how we can improve. Give us some constructive criticism. Fuck yeah, let us we, roll. Love that. Um, you can also check us out 
at our website, www. Wait, www. Yeah, white collars, red hands. Um, you can check out our Facebook at facebook.com slash white collars, red hands. Our Twitter at white collars pod. Our Instagram at white collars underscore red hands. Fire, boo, 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 boo. You can also email us if you have suggestions for a show or just suggestions in general, or if you want to tell us how much you love us. My birthday is also coming up. So like if you wanted to, um, you know, wish her happy birthday. wish me a happy birthday and like ask me what my Venmo is, that would be great too. Send us and, pictures of your dogs to our email. Oh my God. I thought you were going to say our, your dong. And I was like, somebody already did that. Send us pictures um, of your dong to our email. White collars, red hands got its first dick pic appreciated that um thank you to that lovely lovely listener um appreciated that anyways are we still doing the giveaway yeah we're still doing the giveaway. all right so this is still a free way to support us if you like our show we have our one-year podiversary that has passed but we are going to be doing a little giveaway the way that you do that is going to our website at white collars red hands um dot dot com there is a little button that says enter our giveaway and then um, follow the instructions and enter our giveaway. Out the form, win yeah. some merch. Yeah, win some merch. You'll love it. If you want a not free way to support us, we have merch. Um, you can go to T Public. Link in the bio. Which is the link in the, and go to the link in the bio and, uh, buy some merch. It's, it's cold. You know, your girlfriend stole your hoodie. Buy, buy a white collars, red hands hoodie. It'll keep you warm. Um, we also have mugs. You can put hot chocolate in it. You know, you or can. Or vodka. We don't judge. Yeah. We don't judge. We also have mouse pads, stickers, anything you think of. We've got it. And I think that's it. Hell yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've been talking a really long time, so I feel like that's... About 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but about the stuff. About yeah. our outro stuff. It's fine. All right. You know what? You know what? We'll end that? Ending it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time on another episode of White Collars, Red, Red Hands. Hands.